with Malik Amalda, uh, Apples and Applesauce is the short film. Uh, I guess it's kind of a fashion film that's sort of be the new kind of style of films. Would you consider this a fashion film, Malik? Yeah, I think that that would be an accurate way to describe it. It's a like a like a fine art art house uh, fashion film. Kind of experimental, kind of uh, like it's forty four minutes long, and it doesn't feel like it. It's it's like really visually stunning. So the first question I got to ask you is like, where did this idea come up for you? Like, where did it all kind of come together for you? Uh, in addition to filmmaking, I also have a background in photography. I've been doing both for about 12 years now. And uh, I've always found it interesting that when you see like really beautiful photography, you, you tend to focus on the end results, but we hardly ever think about what it took to create it, who was involved, what was going on in the photographer's life and the model's life, what's their... What was their process? What's their process? I, we very rarely get to see the creative process. We just get to see the end result. So that was my, that was like the seed that that started the the journey to this film and the combination of that and then just themes of obsession and just see how how to combine the process and obsession and what what comes with it. That, that's sort of sort of your theme, I guess, right? Obsession. For sure, for sure, yeah, absolutely. For on both ends, because uh, from the end of the photographer, what what they're willing to sacrifice and who they're willing to run over to accomplish their goals, and then from the perspective of the models and what they're willing to sacrifice, and the, I, I'm sure everybody knows like how hard it is to grind as an artist and yeah. doing what you hate, doing what you hate to pay the bills while you're trying to utilize your passion to to yeah. uh, satisfy you internally and. It's a lot, there's a lot of sacrifices on that road and adversity to actually make money doing what you love. Well, yeah, it makes total sense. It's, it's like it's, the, it's, it's art within the capitalistic pursuit, I guess, right? Absolutely. And yeah, that's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a hard grind. This is, it's definitely, it's definitely a tough one for sure. Cause yeah, cause it's what you're talking about is that it's that balance of like, and you know, it happens to a lot of people where, where you're, you're, you're doing, you're just starting to do well. And then there's like a, a position or a job or something like that that pays well but it's not your passion i guess right or not your it's not where you where you want to see your career going but the money's too good and it's just like one of those things where like what do you do i guess right because you got say sometimes you say you get married or you have kids and you have family it's a tough it's a tough balance i guess right uh, absolutely uh, and i even think about it even in terms of movies like are you willing to make the very very popular film that can make a lot of money but you know it's not a good film you know like you're doing you're serving the common denominator doing something really basic and just trying to make a large amount of people like it versus really honing in and finding something specific and uh, to make people either love it. it might be more divisive people either love it or hate it yeah that's the risk that you take but at least you're impacting people on a deeper level versus staying on the surface level and just trying to touch as many people as possible the interesting thing about like filmmaking is that it's like, of course, like, when the film's made, it becomes competitive and there's there's kind of competition, but it's really kind of a pursuit that you're kind of like in this kind of like like box and you're working with your creative people, but you're kind of focused on this film. But the models, like as you have in the film, kind of like actors where it's like they're competing with each other. They're always beside each other. There's like there's so much judgment and like in like like he says in this film, like people will do anything to, to be on top, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, fortunately, the way I see it is that uh, 
I definitely see it as a, a team effort. Like I definitely get to see like the, the family dynamic in making the pursuit. So even though on the outside, it could be extremely competitive, you're in, in the jungle and everybody's fighting each other. Yeah. Uh, with my blinders on, I'm literally just focused on my own path and my own journey and just focused on the family that I've built to, to work, to work on the craft together. Yeah. And then the, the model too, where it's like, it's all about vanity, right? Like it's all about like, and then you have to, we've got to take care of your weight and like, and it's like, that's not healthy. There's so many like craziness that come involved to success, I guess. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then that's when I think about uh, Gary Vee, one of my favorite quotes of his is uh, where he says like the, he wants to build the, the tallest building in the, in the, in the world, but there's two ways to do it. One way is to tear down other people's buildings and the others just focus on your building and making it taller. So that's what I think of as, as an artist is like, instead of trying to bring down other people's buildings, you just focus on building yours. Yeah, that, that's actually a pretty good analogy, but then I guess what happens when two other people, two people are, are building the same building at the same time, I guess. Right. Yeah, but I mean, that's why that's what having blinders is those that like nobody else is built. You're not worried about anyone else's building. You're just focusing on yours and just focusing on your team, your family, and you guys build together. The model game, it's like it's it's easier said than done because everybody, it's all about vanity. It's all about looks. It's all about weight. It's all about height. It's all like everything's on the surface, I guess, right? Yes, uh, I think that's also plays into um, the sacrifices. I, I guess the power dynamic can be uh, very uneven between the the art, like the, the photographers and the filmmakers versus the actors and the models, where they have a very finite resources that they're all battling for, where there's only a certain amount of projects, but there's a larger group of people all fighting for the same projects. And so if you're only booking one model, you have 100 models fighting for that same position, that, that, that makes it more of a commodity and that can lead to even more competition and make it even more cutthroat. And then they might feel like they're not even be treated like a human being at that point. And they are willing to do anything to try to get to that next level. Yeah. hundred percent. So tell, okay. So did you, is this a full fledged script? Did you write the, the whole script? It was all plotted down from point to point and all the transitions. Like it was very, very detailed and constructed. Okay. So tell me about your opening scene. Like, cause it's like, you really captured the audience. It's got, you have like, these, these five models kind of like sitting in, in darkness and all of a sudden they're pouring milk. Someone's giving them a each a glass of milk. And then yeah. a gentleman comes in like, what was the, what was that? That's your, that's setting the tone of your film. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think of, uh, <laughs> I just, I feel like it's appropriate because uh, like life starts with uh, milk when you're born, you're, you're breastfed or you're on a bottle as a baby. I think milk in general is linked to the genesis or the origin of human life. So it seemed like that would be the interesting way to start the journey of both the photographer, the main photographer and the main model at the same scene. So the, yeah, then, then the model comes out and he uh, strips down. So basically like no, uh, so then you're, you're, you're also setting the tone again where it's like, okay, this is, we got some male frontal nudity here. And uh, sure. they, they pour milk on his glass. So then, then all of a sudden he looks different because he like takes his hair down and it's like, then, then, then they pour milk on his, on his head and it's like, okay. And the audience is like, okay, what I'm intrigued. I'm totally into this, but what's going on, I guess. Right. For sure. For sure. And I also thought it was interesting to play with the dynamic because in that scene is one of the 
the, the photographer in that scene is a is a woman and we're used to seeing male photographers with nude models which is we do see at a later point in the film yeah uh, i thought it'd be interesting to switch the dynamic and see what it would be like from her perspective if the roles were reversed and she was more in a uh, in a more dominant position and then he's the one that gets on his knees he's the one getting milk poured on him he's the one with the long hair while she's the one fully clothed and she's the one wearing red and in power and is in control of the scene yeah, exactly. So she's kind of she's kind of like doing whatever she wants with this this person, I guess, right? Like she's just she's just like a toy to sure. her world, I guess, right? Uh, it, it, that could be one one way of looking at it, <laughs> or she could still see him as a uh, a muse. Like she could, because from from what I've seen, it seems like she does appreciate the artistic journey, appreciate the people that she's involved with. And I would say that the the other photographer, the, the male photographer, he's more of the ones that are is using people as tools for his uh his own means. And he's less empathetic about how they are as human beings. But I think we male photographer that she does actually care about the people that she's working with and she will see like uh, the, the next scene after that she's putting flowers on to one of the models but the flowers have like a little they're a little prickly and she will actually take the time to look and check to see if, if you're in discomfort and smile at you and comfort you while we never really see that kind of interaction from the other photographer yeah, hundred percent. So, okay. So, tell me about your cast. Where did you? Where did you? How did you find your cast? Uh, the so, so the main one the, for the male photographer I've worked with a few times. Uh, Mark sees definitely a <laughs> definitely a, a talented, talented fire fire actor. Um, and it was wild. They the female photographer is actually his uh, girlfriend, and they they both act. They both been in the industry for 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 many years, and they actually drove, they were working on a project shooting something in the Bay Area near San Francisco. And I hit them up about the audition and they actually drove all the way from the Bay Area for like six hours just to come to the audition and then had to drive right back to finish the project they were working on. I, that just blew my mind. I did not know <laughs> when they came to the audition, I did not know that they were investing that kind of time into it, but it's definitely something I really appreciate. I really appreciate artists that take their craft that serious and we'll we'll like because there's, there's no guarantee that they were going to get the role it, and the audition mm -hmm. was 15 minutes but just drive six hours for a 15 minute audition i just had a lot of respect for for just that level of commitment in addition to them both being very talented and knocking out the park it's almost and, like you're filming a lot of ways right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like like what are you willing to do to to continue to rise and take your craft and your your ambitions to the next level and um, so, uh, yeah, so that so that combination of two photographers were uh, Marks and Jasmine, and then um, Natalia. She she played uh, the main model, and I found her through uh, I think it was cast L A casting or casting. No, I think it was L A casting, and um, she actually submitted her. She was able to make it to the first audition, so she submitted hers through video. But I could just see her connection with the character. It was so vibrant that it, it, I could just feel it through the video. Even though most of the people who had did it in person, something about her through the video connected to the character that I was looking for. And once we had the second audition, she locked it in. Well, obviously, too, it's like they also they have to be very they have to from their they have to hit your your beats as a as a like what you're trying to tell in the story. But they also have to look the part, I guess. Right? It's very important that they 
that she looks like a model that, you know what I mean? Like there's like, because that's kind of like, so there's only a specific number of people that you can pick, I guess, right? To, who are good, who are look like a model, but also can act at the same time, I guess, right? Exactly. And I, I was I was actually nervous uh, with the casting process too, because there was just, there's some hurdles that, that they would have to uh, jump over. Because initially her character was actually the experiences of two separate different characters. Uh, but then throughout the writing process, I combined them and that made it even harder to cast because I needed her to be able to act and to be able to do dialogue well, but also do a lot of very visual acting where you're expressing the character's feelings just through your eyes and your facial expressions and embodying what they're going through. Because again, there's not a lot of dialogue in this film. And then she has some dancing scenes. She has some very emotional scenes. She has uh, modeling. Like you have to, <laughs> you have to really be talented in a lot of different lanes to play that character. So she knocked it out the park. I really appreciate that. So then she's like, like the, 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 the performance is that she's, that character is like the metaphor, like they're sacrificing their artistic kind of pursuit or artistic passion for, for money, I guess. Right. For like, for it's like the old saying, like selling out, I guess. Right. Uh, for sure. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I found the, like the most, uh, a, a more absurd way than, I mean, like now, nowadays we might see that where people are, selling uh like visual photos of themselves or videos utilizing something like only fans or working in a really really commercial projects where they feel like they're selling their soul and doing something that they have no interest in uh but it's just for just commercial products that that that's like it could even be to the point where it's demeaning to them or degrading to them um and so i found them a kind of an absurd play on that and brought a little bit of a fetish level to it and yeah, it's, it, I think it's even more tragic because of how immensely talented not only the actor is, but the, the character is. And to see somebody that talented basically throw it all away just for the financial gain. I don't know how old you are, but I'm just like, I'm not trying to be controversial, but it seems like like the, the generation uh, coming up, like in their late teens, early 20s, they're selling themselves on, on themselves, like on, on Instagram or social media. So it seems like they, maybe their concept of what, you know what I mean? Their concept of artistic pursuit might be different from ours. I don't know. Maybe that's just a random question for you. I just think about that. Um, I'm 30, so I probably uh, have gotten, or I'm 32. So I've gotten to see, I think I'm like in the middle where I've gotten to see where, See what the past generations, what, what they consider to be an artistic pursuit. Yeah. And I get to also have my, but also I grew up in social media or like when Instagram, Facebook, MySpace. So I also have my, my fingers on the pulse of what some of the younger generation is doing. And I think that, I think there's always artists that, that are purely really about the art, really about the craft. I just think that the medium is shifting and changing. So mm. even if it's leaning more towards social media, there's always going to be a large demographic that are following a formula, following a trend, whether the trend is through movies or, or Instagram or, or TikTok. There's always going to be a large demographic that follows the trend, but then there's always going to be those peer artists that are finding innovative ways to express themselves. And uh, I see that still, still within the younger generation also. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Just that I just, I was just curious, like, cause I, I actually interview people all the time, like who, mm -hmm. who, who describe what you say, but just, it's just interesting that like someone gets a following 
on Instagram, whatever, and they become like relevant. And then they, there's, there's so many ads, right. Then they sell mm-hmm. like, a car or, or obviously makeup or like perfume, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it seems, they don't seem to really, doesn't, that's, that's their pursuit, Right. For sure. For sure. I, I see. I, I do see what you're saying. I think the biggest difference is this one word content. I don't think the, I don't think uh, the previous generations would think of their art as content. I think they would think of it as art. Sometimes you're just doing a job to pay the bills, but in general, I've always grown up thinking of it as art. And now it seems like the next generation is thinking of, thinking of it as content and they may also think more in terms of quantity versus quality yeah where they, might, where they may think like oh i haven't posted in a week or two i need to create something now and there's there's pros and cons to both where uh the more times you the more chances you get at bat the more opportunities you get to hit the ball out of, out of the park but also you might get a lot more strikes too so there's definitely some checks and balances yeah but then the more you learn too the more you can learn from your mistakes i guess too right for sure, for sure. And so that could be much one of the pros of having that content mentality and thinking like, hey, you got to shoot, you got to shoot, you got to put something out there. But then there could also be something gained from taking your time and cultivating a very specific, unique uh, project that may take longer to put out. But you yeah. also get to have a deeper impact instead of a wider impact. So then the photographer, basically, so you have two kind of like um, journeys here. Then the photographer basically he he gets his artistic like pursuit or his ambitions or but then he sacrifices everybody along the way i guess right like he he doesn't care who he like who like friends whatever he'll he'll stomp on them to get what what he wants i guess right yeah yeah i think the more i think about i think the the juxtaposition is that is that the photographer in this case is sacrificing all the people around him while the model is sacrificing herself, and then we get to see how both of those journeys play out. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a really interesting kind of uh, juxtaposition, uh, uh, parallel, I guess, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah, and- yeah, great job. It's just like, it's such an interesting film. It's like, was it always intended to be 44 minutes? Yes. Uh, so that that's the longest project I had done at that point or so far. Um, I've, again, been making filmmaking for... 12 years and they've always been short projects so usually within five to 15 I, I got to the point where I did like about 70 projects of that length and so I was like I need to push myself I really because I did ultimately I want to focus on doing feature films and so this was that next step toward that I feel like it's a, <laughs> I feel like it's, a, it's definitely a gray area yeah, I think, definitely. I, yeah. <laughs> I think the conventional minimum length of a feature film is about 80 minutes, but then there are some festivals that will consider something longer than 40 minutes. So it's definitely a middle ground featurette. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> ultimately, I, I figured I, I, this might not be the most marketable length, but I'm just going to make the project whatever length it needs to be and then just focus on the next one after that. So I wasn't worried about uh, hitting a specific time frame. I was like, whatever amount of time these, this story needs is the amount of time I'll make it. And then I'll use that as a, uh, a stepping ladder for the longer, bigger projects. Yeah, because you're not selling out your artistic pursuit, right? So Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not on this one for sure. <laughs> No, because it's like, because if, if I were like your producer or whatever, like that, it's like, yeah, it's like it's in that gray area. So either you make it a 20 minute film. Listen, I accepted your film. I think it's amazing. So I have no issue with it at all. But I'm saying that 
like, or like push it another 15, 20 minutes. And then it's in that feature category, I guess. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, so I, I think definitely in the beginning, my, my thoughts would have been purely on just the, the art, but as I continue, so, cause I made this a little over like a year or two ago. Uh, so even at that time, I'm always in a constant state of studying, I'm constantly researching the, the careers and paths of other artists and listening to podcasts. And I'm just, I'm very, very, I've dedicated my life to this. I'm very well, well um, in, in the trenches. Uh, but there's definitely a point earlier in my career where it would have been just 100% purely about the art. But as I'm getting older, I do have an understanding that there, at the end of the day, there's a business. So it's about bridging the two together where you want to find projects or I want to find projects that are very artistically satisfying and creating a unique experience for the viewer. But also, I don't want to be in such a niche where it's only a very small percent of people who can appreciate it. So it's about finding that balance where a large demographic can appreciate the film, but I'm still creating a very artistic, unique experience for them. Gotcha. So apples and applesauce. Well, what's, the, what's the meaning behind the title? Uh, I mean, I just started off with uh, that it features apples and applesauce within the film and then building upon that. Uh, a- a- applesauce is a mashed up, mashed up, could be considered like a degraded, mashed up, lesser form of an apple. But even though they're two form, two different, even though they're two completely different forms and one has been mashed down, beaten down in the process, I think that both of them are still valid and beautiful in their own way. So it's just, just talking about just the difference, how you could be impacted through your, your journey. And even if you're beaten down and mashed up, you can still be equally as viable. So did you tell me about like, cause it's a really well photographed film and you said you're a photographer by trade, correct? Uh, yeah, both yeah, filmmaker and photographer. So I, I'll definitely, we're coming up and constructing with the visual pieces and what they, what, what type of projects that they are engaged in. Uh, I definitely had uh, started as a baseline, some of my previous projects too. And even, even some of those locations are locations I've shot in over years, like the, the Rain Studio. I've done many projects in there. So I definitely knew that would be a, a good starting place. Did you like so you follow you photographed the film yourself too? No, that's so uh, I went to film school with uh, Michael Greenwood. Uh, he's a he, he's one of the most talented cinematographers I know. His his I I just love working with him. I've, worked, I've been working with him for like nine nine or ten years now. I just love his attention to detail. Uh, I I do find that sometimes my <laughs> It's not a coincidence that obsession is a theme within the film. Um, I definitely can lean toward being really obsessed about the about the grind, about the craft, about the journey from a directing perspective. And mm-hmm. I've, he's somebody that I met that has a similar perspective, except for cinematography. Um, now his attention to detail in terms of lighting, composition, just knowing which which lens to utilize, enhance whatever I, whatever I put in the script and whatever we talk about within the within the the vision. He just has an ability to enhance every single aspect, every single moment. Like I can write a scene where I'm like, like I can write in the script that's there's going to be milk poured on somebody, but he's the one that's going to make it look extremely beautiful, natural light, slow motion. Like he's the one that, that really just takes it to the next level. Yeah. It's really, it's a really nice uh, juxtaposition. Like you have some pretty, like some uh, framing setups and then the black and white sequence is absolutely stunning. 
Thank like, you. Like stunning. And like, did you like storyboard everything, or did you guys have a loose shot list? Like, what was your pro- your process with them? I'm 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 definitely a big uh, shot list uh, person. I I I, I didn't we didn't storyboard uh, not not a frame. We didn't storyboard any of any of it. But there was a a shot list. It was a the shot list for us is more like a blueprint. So I may have like the I may have the angle of like if I say medium shot, high angle or uh, close up, and what 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 I or what's going to be the main subject. But we don't know specifically where the camera is going to be until we get on set, and then I'm deciding that in the moment. But having that blueprint is definitely definitely helpful. Well, yeah, for, especially for an ambitious project like this. I'm, I'm assuming you guys, when you guys got the set, you had a game plan. You knew exactly where you're going to go, I guess, right? For, I'll say, it was a big, I'll say probably like 70% of it is going off of the blueprint. And then maybe about 30% is just improvising. Like there is some, actually the shot that ends up in the poster is an improvised shot where we're going through the close-ups of the model eating the applesauce and going through all of the, uh, what's on the shot list. And then I look at the spoon and I see images reflecting on her spoon and it hits me. I'm like, we need to get her face in the reflection of the spoon. And, and that's the beautiful thing of working with Michael is anything that comes up to my mind, whether it's something that's been planned for a long period of time or right then in that moment, he knows he he can make it happen. So as soon as I had the idea, he's like, all right. And then we just started angling, finagling the, uh, the spoon around and figuring out the lights and we able to get we were able to get the shot and it worked out so well it, it ends up being a poster of the film what did your actors think about the final product yeah they, they loved it they loved it they definitely uh, <laughs> appreciate that it was a unique project I think that all of them have been in the industry for a while and all of them have worked on a lot of projects but I don't I, I take pride in and working with the team and creating something that's going to be more unique. And I don't think any of them have ever been in a project quite like this one. No, hundred percent. So what did you, then what did you think about uh, that? We said to the audience, the feedback video, what did you think about the audience feedback video? I thought it was amazing. Uh, it, it was just really cool to see, especially how diverse the, the audience members were and just seeing that they're all from different backgrounds, different ages, different locations. Uh, it was just cool to see how it, how different scenes may impact us individuals uh, that may not have had the same impact on someone else. But then there were also certain aspects that universally affected everybody. Like everybody seems to be drawn to the visual aspects and, and the journeys of the photographer and the, and the model, while some may notice, lean more toward appreciating the music, while someone else more folk, may focus on like the yoga scene and how the rain came down. And so it's just interesting to see what impacts different people. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, well, you talk. Speak on the on the music selection. How did you figure out the, your music? Uh, so that actually took. So the, the editing editing the visuals was one of the faster parts of the process. Like that took a couple of weeks, but it took me a couple, maybe a month or two, to figure out all the, all of the music for each scenes. Uh, once once I started just figuring which which what each, what each character's motif was what were going to be the moments that needed music versus the silence, because that's what makes the music impactful is the silence that comes before it. And just figure it once out. It's really, it's really like a puzzle. Yeah. Figuring 100%. out or like a jigsaw 
<laughs> Let's figure it out. Like, okay, silence here. Okay, this piece is music. Okay, this, oh, we're going to play this piece again because that was relating to the theme of the character. He, every time he creates, he's going to have this on. So let's play this one again. Oh, this is when he turns down to the dark path. So when she turns to the dark path, we got the same song again. And just really just figuring out how everything can fit together. Yeah, it's an amazing job, man. So what are you, uh, just out of curiosity, what are you working on now? Uh, so now <laughs> I'm working on this. So this script uh, was like a... 50, 45, 50 page script. So obviously the film ended up being about 45 minutes. Uh, the script I'm working on now is, is finally getting up to about a hundred pages. Um, and it's about, it's, it's based in a world where everybody can only consume uh, uh, purple milk. And there are some people in a rehab facility that are addicted to violently tearing people apart and drinking human blood. So in this facility, they are basically rehabbing to convert to purple milk. And the consequences are brutal uh, punishments of uh, death if they aren't able to convert. Well, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm always trying to find a unique angle to, to uh, express certain forms. And this, I'm definitely excited to, to take the next steps for this script for sure. Well, I want to see that film when it's done. Absolutely. Uh, I'll definitely be submitting it for sure. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. It's a really amazing film. People should definitely uh, check it out. Apples and applesauce. It's it's like I was blown away. I thought it was a pre I thought it was highly interesting, and like uh, I just can't see can't wait to see what your future holds. Uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the work you do. I checked out your site. So I know that you've been uh, grinding through these podcasts and you've been in, and through these films for for you for years. Uh, I saw even um, on your YouTube channel, you had some podcasts in like 2018. We all were talking about like 2001 Space Odyssey and just different films. And I can tell that you definitely are passionate about what you do. You really have a true love for the craft. So I, I appreciate your impact on our industry, too. I appreciate well, man. Well, you really vetted me. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, I, I, this is what you do is, is really important. You do really important work. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Let's talk again when you make your next film. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope you have a great week. Thanks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hassenbeck Incorporated.